A pimp's love is very different than that of a square. There's a bunch of whores in the hallway. Aw, hell no. I'm gonna fuck all of y'all. Woo! It's Idiocracy. Kenter cut. Oh, welcome to the center cut. I am Michael. Dave. And today is a special episode. We are covering idiocracy. But before we dive into any of that, got to introduce the guest, Mike from the Whack Brackets podcast. We've been on Mike's show before. Mike's a great guy. Mike, how the hell are you? Oh, uh, yeah, man. <laughs> How's it hanging, Scro? Yeah, this is this is a, this is going to be great, man. Thanks. Thank yeah. Yeah, just I'm just yeah. Appreciate you being here. Dave, Mike, what do you do on Whack Brackets? I normally don't talk like that. As we will discuss later in the show, I'm imitating an idiocracy character. So if your fans don't know what idiocracy is, then they probably think I'm about as dull as wet molasses. But the good news is, is that on Whack Brackets, I try to actually have a topic and it is very similar. The bracketing trope but i change the questions every round and it's a lot of fun had you guys on there i'm gonna have you guys on again here in a couple of weeks so looking forward to that we're going to do famous advertising icons i guess so this should be a good one like flow from progressive so iconic well, i don't know maybe not the right word but assholish perfect perfect <laughs> Well, thank you for being here. We are excited. I know this was a movie that you enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Dave and I have some mixed feelings about it, I think we mm -hmm. discussed, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. we're going to, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get into it. But before we do, I did want to say that starting this episode, you may start to notice ads for other podcasts. Inter hey, this is Sticks and Stones, and we're your hosts, Kristen and Alyssa. Every Thursday, we'll be your new best friends, your unlicensed therapist, and your car ride comrades. We will divulge, word vomit, give awful advice, but mostly chat about relatable topics from our very dysfunctional, fucked up point of views. So grab a drink of your fancy and join us on this ridiculous ride we all call life. Spursed throughout. In an effort to grow the audience for this little show that you know and love slash tolerate, we reached out to some other shows and traded ads. So don't be surprised if you hear other voices. And to show them it's worth their effort, go check out some of their shows if they sound like something you'd want to listen to. And please, like, don't hate us for doing it. We just want more people like you to get enjoyment out of our silly shit. You may not know it, but it does cost us money to host our episodes. And we're, we're not complaining. Trust me. We love creating the show. But maybe someday... That sounded like complaining. Well, what I, all I want to say is... Someday you might hear ads for things like food delivery services and direction pills. And I don't want you to hate us then either. So just be ready to hear ads. PSA over. The commercial lasts longer than 24 hours. Please consult a physician. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is accurate. So we talked about it at the top. Today is Idiocracy. Dave, what exactly are we doing? We watched the first 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes of Idiocracy. For those of you who followed along, you probably already know this, but the last 15 minutes started at an hour, four minutes and 15 seconds. We are just going to talk about the middle a little bit. We have Mike here to ask us some questions as the resident Idiocracy expert, which I don't know if that's a really something you want to be an expert in, but he is our expert here. He's going to ask us some questions and we'll chat about it. Sounds great. So 
Idiocracy came out in 2006. It is the brainchild of Mike Judge. You know him from Beavis and Butthead, King of the Hill, Silicon Valley, and Office Space, among others. It's kind of wonder I've never seen this, to be honest. It stars Luke Wilson, Maya Rudolph, and Dax Shepard, among others. It bombed at the box office, but it has since grown a cult following due in part to its semi-predictive nature. Mm. First off, if I didn't say thanks for having me on. Second, I find this movie and it's kind of a shame that you guys missed just barely a piece of it because I think a lot of it would make more sense to you. I think you're going to go in completely blind, which is probably great for the listener, but I could understand, as you said, you have mixed feelings. I could see why you may by missing about two minutes more of the movie. But hopefully I can convince you that this is honestly one of the funniest movies that God ever created. When God created seven movies, this was one of the seven he created. And after that, he rested. All right. Wow. I like it more than Dave does. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about you're going to have an uphill battle with me, but that's OK. I'm <laughs> willing to listen and not learn. <laughs> well, that's the name idiocracy. If you're learning, you're doing it wrong. Fair point. That being said, Dave, let's just get on into the recap. Yes. So Idiocracy begins. Actually, we haven't done a lot of movies that open with a narrator. So we have narrator Earl Mann, who is explaining how the evolution of humanity used to take the best of us to move forward. And that's how we grew as a community and culture. And instead, now it's moving in the opposite direction, kind of a dumbing down, so to speak. With no natural predators, evolution starts to reward those who reproduce the most rather than those who are able to survive, who are the smartest and strongest. So we get an example of this following two family trees, one of Trevor and one of Cleavon. Trevor has an IQ of over 130, along with his wife, Carol. They've decided to put off having kids because it's a big decision and they're going to be smart and wait for the right time. It's Phil from Lost. God, fuck. I tried to- he, season five. He beat a woman and then he dies gloriously. So he's a person that you don't like. He's been in a lot of things. But one note I wanted to say, he, his wife is Julia Louise Dreyfus's. How do you say Dreyfus's? That's a fucking stupid uh, last name. Dreyfus's? Dreyfi. <laughs> yeah, it's Dreyfi. Dreyfi. Yeah. <laughs> Her half-sister is his wife. Jesus. That's it. That's all wow, I want to say. What anyway. a great story. <laughs> Thank you for that, Michael. I appreciate it. Go forth. <laughs> so Trevor and Carol are waiting, but Cleavon, who has an IQ of 84, has at this point, from what we can tell, multiple wives or multiple girlfriends. He's gotten them all pregnant. At this point, he has five kids with two different women. And we continue to watch Cleavon's family grow uh, to eight kids two with Brittany, five with Trich, and one with Mackenzie. And it's kind of at this point cutting back and forth as time goes on between Trevor and Carol's story and Cleavon's story, where Trevor and Carol continue to either put off having kids or once they do decide to have kids, they're having trouble getting pregnant over to Cleavon, who is just reproducing like a rabbit. And we get this interesting comparison showing one, Trevor has died. Trevor died because he was had a heart attack while trying to masturbate to... He's trying to create some sperm. Yeah. Well, yes, creating sperm. He, Thank you. He's, it's <laughs> like John Popper. He was jerking it for artificial insemination. Yes. That's what I was looking for. He's making a deposit to the old jizz bank. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so he has now died. And so that ends the Trevor and Carol story. They haven't had a child, but Cleavon continues to reproduce. And this is the movie's way of kind of demonstrating how 
the people who reproduce the most tend to be the stupidest and how idiocracy came to be. We even get a, a point where Cleavon had tried to jump a jet ski from a pond into a pool and impaled his genitalia on an iron fence. But because medicine has advanced so far, they were able to save his reproductive system where, you know, 200 years ago, that would have been the end of that line of family genes. These days, we're able to to keep those people alive. We see what has been 75 years into the future seeing Cleavon's family tree. Now, there are a few notable things about the family tree if you pause on it and look at it. First and foremost, there's a few animals. There's a kangaroo, a monkey, and a goat in in his family tree of what I estimated to be about 560 people faces, 560 faces on the screen. So there is also Hank and Bobby Hill there, there in there, if you look close enough. More importantly, I wanted to take a look at how this would have come to be. So if there are 560 people in the tree and there are 10 different spouses, so we can kind of not include those spouses that leaves 550 offspring of Cleavon in one way or another over, over multiple generations. An average generation is 31 years of of an age gap between generations. Even if we round that down to 25 for ease of math, that would mean that there are three generations in this 75 year period that we're seeing elapse. If you do out all of the square roots and cubes and all this fun shit, there are, an average of eight children per offspring of Cleavon. So if Cleavon had eight kids, then those eight kids had eight kids, and then those 64 kids had eight kids, that would bring us to 560 people. So this was kind of part of the reason that this movie was a little outrageous for me is that is an insane number (laughs) comparing the average of 3.14, which is the current family size in the United States. And that's even down from 1960 when it was 3.17. Can I interject here a second? Of course. My wife has 11 brothers and sisters. So there are 12 members in her family. Okay. So pretty much what you're saying is Cleavon's family doesn't produce even at the same rate as my wife's family did. I lived in Utah for a little bit, and there were some families that I met that were in the high teens. That's what kind of bothered me a little bit was just the fact that all of these families would need to have eight children in order for it to be those kind of numbers. The only thing I love about Cleavon is that scene where his wife's chasing him around, trying to beat him, I think with a two by four possibly. And there's some little kid with a with a cap gun running around behind him. So it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah, it's just literal everything you would expect from a prototypical, quote unquote, redneck family is exactly what you got out of the Cleavon scenes. And yep. it's glorious. So we are back in 2005 and we meet Joe, who is Luke Wilson. He is in an army library watching cops on a TV underneath the desk and looks like he is not doing much. You know what he is doing per his boss? He is sitting on ass. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting on ass. What is that? I've never heard of that before. (laughs) That's an interesting one. So he gets told that he is being replaced because he is going to be part of a special project. And he gets brought upstairs. We learn that this project is going to be a the human hibernation experiment where they plan on trying to hibernate a human for a year. The argument behind it is that people in the army, you know, generals and and military men of all types 
sometimes at the peak of their performance, never actually go into battle. So if they can hibernate them indefinitely until we need them as a military, we would be able to take them out of hibernation and they'd be at peak performance and ready to ready to go. Taking the humanity out of it and speaking like from a purely tactical standpoint, it's actually like a genius idea. Yes. Yes and no, I think. What's the what's the bad part of it? Again, aside from the humanity side of it, what's the what's the con? So I would say the con is we would be dependent on having hibernated army folks ready to go for any kind of military situation or war, which is fine and dandy. But then we probably wouldn't have a lot of live ready to go army, which would mean that if we were to quickly deplete our armed forces and the hibernation back reserve that we have, we wouldn't have any more army to go. So I think it was like, it's kind of like a one and done type of situation. Well, you have both, you have a live army and then you have these, you bring in the, you thaw out the big guns when you need them. Well, I would even argue this potentially is a couple of things. First off, it would likely be expensive to keep a person hibernated for an extended period of time. So there's a cost involved. We know there's cost cutting measures, of course, with the government all the time. Secondly, and this is where I think it becomes even more related to why this may not be as good an idea as we think, is that the army and the way that the military works and the way that we fight battles changes over time. So we may put back some great fighter pilots, but by the time that they are unhibernated, we may be using nothing but drones. So really, they are obsolete by the time they're useful. Can they fly a spaceship now? That's a fair point. Good point. Boom. I like when I have someone else on the podcast to argue with Michael for me. (laughs) You thought out the big guns. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm going to hibernate you for next episode, Mike. So we meet Sergeant Collins, who gives us this explanation of what the hibernation project is going to be. He explains that the reason they are picking Joe is because he is just perfectly average in every way, in intelligence, in uh, physical averageness, and more importantly, as no family or anyone who loves him, so no one will care if he's gone for a year. They couldn't find a woman to fill that space, so they hired from the private sector Rita, who is a prostitute employed by a gentleman named Upgrade, spelled U-P-G-R-A-Y-E-D-D. So Collins explains that he had to get very close with Upgrade to convince him to allow Rita to become part of this project. They flip through a bunch of slides of, you know, Collins in his military garb getting high and and drinking with Upgrade, this pimp. Ends up being, uh, they just kind of move on from that. We see the, the hibernation period start. Joe and Rita are getting loaded into their hibernation pods. They are injected with milk. And they are set to hibernate for a year. The milk actually looked like maybe it was mixed with some sort of banana or chocolate or strawberry quick. Yeah. It was, it was definitely not, it was a milky substance. Or like, yeah. a, like a butterscotch pudding. Slim fast. Banana Nesquik is the best. It hasn't existed in the U.S. for years. I actually had to order the powder from the U.K. It's in my pantry right now. <laughs> wow. You're the worst. <laughs> After this hibernation period begins, the narrator cuts back in and we find out that Collins got arrested for prostitution. He got a little too close with Upgrade. They both went to jail. But because this project was so top secret, 
no one knew that Rita and Joe were in hibernation pods and the base then gets torn down and their hibernation pods are under a pile of rubble. Listen, I get it's a comedy. I get that they had to conceive a way that they'd be forgotten, but nobody would do a sweep and see two metal sarcophagi and not ask questions. Like, come on. Also, if you're the construction crew hired to demolish a military building and you're walking through the hallways and you find a room that is has this giant metal garage door in front of it that says top secret. If you're not fucking going in there and looking around and figuring out what that is, you're not doing your job. That being said, remember what they tell Joe early on. You either lead, follow or get out of the way. This could just be simply people following orders. Yes. And that makes sense. So as the building's getting torn down, we see that this is going to be the location of a new Fuddruckers. As time moves on and showing kind of a graph that shows as the years progress, how intelligence is decreasing. But as that progresses, the Fuddruckers then turns into a Futbuckers, then turns into a Buttruckers. And then once Joe finally comes to, uh, which I'll explain how that comes to be in a moment, it is just butt fuckers. They're just going right at it. And there's kids having a birthday party. I'm a big fan of this joke. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty funny. So the way that Joe gets woken up is the great garbage avalanche of 2505. Because civilization has decreased in intelligence to such a idiotic level, they have no way of dealing with garbage. So it's just piling up in these vast deserts of piles of garbage and the largest Whoville like tower of garbage that appears has a giant avalanche in it is Joe and presumably Rita, but we actually don't see Rita at all. Joe's sarcophagus of hibernation slides right into none other than Dak Shepard playing the dumbest, most ridiculous character I've ever seen. And Joe gets woken up as Dak Shepard is watching Ow My Balls on his very large TV screen. There were some funny little tidbits on the TV screen that I noticed to kind of really nail home the idiocracy of of the whole situation. There are ads around the whole outer edge of the screen. Uh, so commercialization of literally everything is definitely apparent. But something I thought was pretty funny is that there is scrolling text, but it's scrolling the wrong way. So you can't read word for word. You have to read it backwards in order to understand the sentence. So that was pretty hilarious. But Joe finally wakes up. He's trying to figure out what's going on around him, looking for Sergeant Collins or Rita or honestly anyone. He gets thrown out of the the house by Dak Shepard because he was making too much noise for him to, to ruin his bucket of butter i don't even know flatcherin flatcherin is what he's eating like flat flatulence no there's a lot to unpack in that scene like that we learn from that so you talked about the big billboard tv that's that's it like we know right away instantly that just hyper consumerism has taken over the actor's name in in ow my balls is hormel and we get more of it later basically all or most of the characters we learn are named after like food companies and food products and their clothes are walking billboards as well. So it's just that's the future that we're into. And he has a toilet in his chair like he doesn't even have to leave his chair to shit. <laughs> yeah. So he's definitely dialed into Ow My Balls, which is a TV show of a guy just getting hit in the balls over and over and over again in different fun and exciting ways. So as Joe stumbles around this just foreign landscape to him. 
he tries to talk to some people and the narrator explains that because the English language has diminished down to basically grunts and slang, when Joe tries to speak to anyone, he sounds pompous and, as the narrator calls it, faggy. Now, I have some thoughts on that. (laughs) And I know it was 2005, and I know it was popular in 2005 to use those types of words as a negative connotation for anything. But I personally, not with the word faggy, but I had a, a horrifying experience using the word gay. I worked for a company that sold clothes, and one of my managers was gay, is gay. And one day I was talking to one of my friends and something happened and I basically yelled out, that's so gay. And I turned around and the manager is standing right there. And he was like the nicest dude ever. And it would have, he'd never even mentioned it. He wouldn't have even ever brought it up. He wouldn't care. But I felt like the most giant douche in the history of the world. And I've never used any kind of words like that, like retarded or gay or fag or anything like that in the future, because I just I felt like such an asshole. So, yeah, I mean, it comes up in my section, too. There's a lot of the the fag and faggy word being thrown around here. I'm never going to land on the side of being offended by words personally. And again, I've talked about it in the past. I have a degree in professional writing, so I know more than most that a well-timed word can spark an emotion. I get it. But here's the, the important part of that. The receiver chooses how to feel and respond. No writer, no linguist, no fucking high school bully can make you feel one way or another. You have that power. You are in control of how a word makes you feel. If you choose to get upset and let history flood your memories and cloud your synapses, you're doing that. Don't do it. Don't let a word hurt you. I hear people say like, okay, how hard is it to just not say a word if you know that it offends me? It's not hard. But here's an example. What if I told you that your favorite shirt offended me. It's just a gray shirt. It's, you know, there's nothing offensive on the surface, but I was raped by a man in a gray shirt. I wasn't really. This is just as, as an example. Yeah, that was pretty strong. So, well, like, <laughs> every time I see your shirt, that's all I can think about. So maybe you, if I told you about it, you wouldn't wear your gray shirt around me, right? Maybe. But what if your other friend has a similar situation and they were knocked out by a man in a brown shirt? Okay, now you can't wear brown and gray. Do you have to go everywhere naked? What about another shed, another friend that doesn't get offended by blue shirts? Do you have to pack 12 outf- outfits to change into as you go about your day? I know that's an extreme example, but it's really not. Like, sure, there are more words than colors. You know, we're not going to run out of words. But you get my point. Like, we cannot, as a society, adhere to every person's whim, everything that somebody is offended by. Just be a good person. Be strong. You have the power to hear the words, to react to the words, not the speaker. Agreed. But you have to remember that some people use those words or do those things maliciously. Now, you might ask me as a friend to not wear a gray shirt because it reminds you of that time that you got raped. And that's fine. But if someone disliked you and was purposely wearing a gray shirt, then they're the asshole. So I think that the problem is, is that you're making an assumption that everyone who is using these words or doing these actions are good-hearted in nature and are just doing it 
purely out of, you know, who knows, just out of comedy or whatever it is. But there are some people that will do those things maliciously. And those people should stop because they shouldn't be allowed to do that to in order specifically to torment someone else. 100%. I wholeheartedly agree with you that that's not my point. It's not it's not the people that are maliciously wearing gray shirts like you hear that gray offends me and then that's all you wear is gray. Those people are shitty assholes no matter what they do. I'm talking just strictly about the words themselves. There's no need for just the word to be offensive. That's it. Just a word. I agree with you. But if I'm using it jokingly and you know I'm using it jokingly, that's one thing. But if someone else sees me using it and now uses it more maliciously by me stopping to use that word, I am fostering a better environment for the person in which it offends. So it's not the offendee's job to deal with it. It's the offender's job to to change their ways. Okay. Well, what about in the, what about in the shirt example? Okay. So if well, you, wear, you so if you know the gray offends me, you can't wear a gray shirt just because someone else might wear a gray wear a gray shirt maliciously. That sucks. That sucks. You're right. It sucks. But I'm your friend, and I appreciate the fact that it's difficult for you, and I would deal with it if I needed to. Uh, we're moving on because yeah. we're making Mike uncomfortable. Yeah. No, I'm just going to say <laughs> that this this whole conversation reeks of being pompous and faggy, and I would like to move on. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Agreed. Perfect. (laughs) So Joe wanders into the hospital that is, interestingly enough, they couldn't even fit the letters on the front of the hospital in the right way. So it kind of falls off like you were taking notes and ran out of paper. You had one job. And as he's walking in, we see a number of different interesting things. One guy who appears that he's at the hospital because he's stuck in his own shirt. That, That guy made me laugh. And somebody who is using a slot machine to try and win free healthcare, And that's just about where our 15 minutes cut off. It's so sad. Like, it's already realistic, the slot machine for healthcare. It, I already had the rant about the, the word, so I don't want to get like so into it. But unless you or your family's wealth is tied to the health insurance industry, I literally can come up with no intelligent reason why you'd be against healthcare as a free basic right. Like, cut, cut out the fucking middleman, the insurance. They're lining their pockets. Let Let's make sure that everybody, if they break their arm or gets cancer, they don't go bankrupt because of it. Like, you don't need another Lexus and gold-plated vase, you fucking poor people stomping damp piece of shit. <laughs> Healthcare is a right. That's it. That's all I got to say. You're not wrong. I work in the healthcare industry. That's all I'll say. Oh, uh, you I, piece I, of... No, I'm just okay, no actually... I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Mike. <laughs> Never a dull moment. And always a random topic. Weekly Wondering, the podcast where each week, we, Nina and Madison, wonder about a topic, do a shallow dive into it, and talk at you guys about it. That's right. And what could be better than your two favorite ladies spewing 70% feelings and 30% facts about random topics? Definitely nothing. Find us on your favorite podcast streaming platform at Weekly Wondering to see what we're wondering about. Bye. Bye. Oh, man, we forgot to talk about kangaroo penises. Oh, shit. We'll get there another episode. Man, I did so much research on kangaroo penises. That's a wasted, (laughs) wasted hour. Oh, well. Did you know that during their life, a kangaroo can please up to 37 other kangaroos with its penis, (laughs) including 17 of those being of the same sex? Mm. Really? No, that's all garbage. (laughs) I believed it. I know. I I know the kangaroo reproductive system inside and out. I know that's not true. All right, okay. well, moving on. <laughs> the last 15 minutes of this movie starts off, we're in an arena with power tool monster trucks called correctional vehicles. 
Now, the announcer calls Luke Wilson nut chewer and unveils the bigger, huger, his words, ass dozer. There's a chorus of camo wearing men playing guitar solos, Terry Crews with long hair, and many fans cheering as the ass dozer can't even fit through the entrance. Poor planning. I love Terry Crews. I hate Terry Crews with long hair. Oh, no, you're so wrong. Also, in the credits, he was listed as Terry Allen Crews. <laughs> which I've never seen his middle name used in credits either. So that was interesting. So the ass dozer tries to ram through the entrance anyway, and it knocks out the side of the arena, crushing and presumably killing at least one man. We get a quick shot of Dax and Maya driving by a field and saying, it's working, and then back to the arena. Joe is in a tiny car and orange jumpsuit. So we think that he's in trouble for something. We find out. That's semi more later. Now, it looks like he's chained in and there's a giant floppy purple dildo in front of his windshield. No idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was kind of lost with the excitement of the dildo. It makes sense of the rest of the movie, but I I feel like there should have been a little least at least a little more backstory for the dildo. Well, there probably is just is there more backstory on the dildo, Mike? There is not, sadly. <laughs> OK. Oh, so OK. Wow. <laughs> I was trying to give this movie more credit than see. I should have just stuck to my guns. Just a random purple dildo. Cool. Yeah. So okay. Joe gets demolished. Not sure how he lives, to be honest. Must be his Crocs. Rita calls Terry Crews president. And tells him to stop it since the water is working. He's also wearing this golden presidential seal like Flavor Flav size necklace. So, yeah, pretty great. A lot of context clues that he's the president. Joe pulls off a move with a rock. Just watch the movie. Uh, I'm (laughs) not going to try to explain it better than that. And the trucks crash and fans catch the dildo like it's a bouquet of flowers at a wedding. Out of the wall rubble pops Beef Supreme. He is played by the third Wilson brother. And he has a flamethrower that he wields willy-nilly. So Rita gets Frito, played by Dax, and a cameraman to go film the crops. Beef Supreme chases Joe around the arena with a flame gun rocket launcher, while the crowd, the prices, writes him on where he is, hiding behind the rock. Frito and the cameraman get to the field, but are distracted by half-off gentlemen's lattes at a combination Starbucks strip club. Joe climbs the busted-up trucks, grabs a hanging microphone, and makes his plea over the Jumbotron. It's small, but instead of TGI Fridays the in, on the Jumbotron, you see a little ad. The restaurant is now TJO Handjobs, which <laughs> is fitting because it's just like a handjob. You only get Fridays when you're desperate. His plan to water the crops to stave off starvation had apparently caused mayhem, hence his incarceration. I We'll talk about that in the questions. Now, Beef makes an effeminate hand gesture. Joe gets whisked into the sky by the hanging mic. We see a sign for H&R Block adult tax return. And now Beef is putting some flames under Joe's ass. Frito and the cameraman leave the Starbucks bouncy castle. Frito stumbles over the word rehabilitation. And we get some more fag calling. Their word. Frito punches the cameraman. And now Rita gets to show the crops on the big screen for all the imbeciles to see. (laughs) Just as Joe is about to be burnt to a crisp, President Terry Crews in patriotic attire swoops in to save the day and grant him a pardon. And now there's a party at the White House. Yeah. I mean, I'd imagine that this is what the White House looks like right now. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty, pretty close. Frito meets Hormel, the guy from the Ow My Balls show, and kicks him in the balls. Rita's going to trade in her hooking for a CEO gig at Starbucks. The future suits her. She wants to stay. Joe gets asked to be vice president. These 
poor, stupid future people need his help. They make it to the time machine, spelled incorrectly, which turns out is just a carny ride, complete with Charlie Chaplin in place of Hitler, Nazi dinosaurs, and the un instead of un. And this is exactly why we can't erase our past, no matter how despicable it was, because then you have carny rides based on Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> Joe becomes president with Frito as his VP and Rita as his wife. And we finally learn Terry Crews' name, which is Dwayne Alessandro Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho. Joe is president not sure, not sure what that means, and he proclaims that in the past, reading and writing wasn't just pejoratively for gay men and flips everybody the bird because that's how you show love in the future. Mm, Yeah, that's something I could get behind. Yeah, that's like 8 Mile where he and his girlfriend flipped each other the bird oh yeah Brittany murphy joe and rita have three kids and frito has 32 rita paints a hilariously bad portrait of joe her painting isn't nearly as good as her hoeing and all is well in the future Mm. and that was the second half of the movie wow you really knocked that out of the park pretty quick there bud gotta 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 go through this shit out yeah we got a lot of questions to dive into so i just wanted to run through it hey there friends Interested in another podcast to listen to between episodes? Well, you're in luck. Come check out Bloody Babbles podcast. We are a gaggle of babblers who talk of true crime and other gory wonderment. New episodes are released every Tuesday, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are streamed. Happy babbling, my friends. All right. So, Mike, you came up with some questions about the middle here that you are going to ask us. Give us a little quiz. I'm going to beat Dave as usual. And then after that, we posted this scenario to Reddit and Reddit fucking unloaded some questions on us. So we have some questions later on. But, Mike, why don't you quiz us? Okay. well, for starters, this is a combination of my question and one Reddit user whose name happens to be Meat Curtains 911. Is it 911 or 911? Very important. That is. It's very important. Yeah. It's the subtle differences. Like, is it a meat curtains emergency or is it a meat curtains like there's two buildings that are burning down to the ground? Meat curtains 911 makes it sound like this person is a terrorist. (laughs) And the, the, their vagina skin looks like two towers. Possibly. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to hit him with my plane dick. I'm going to go terrorist style on those meat curtains. 911, baby. No. No, that's the worst thing. I've inside ever job. All right, let's go. <laughs> All right, let's get into these questions. Yeah. The, the old MC 911. We're going to join my question with Perfect. his. And this is what happens to Joe in the hospital during his first diagnosis? So he is immediately declared a homosexual due to his speech and intelligent demeanor. And as penance, he is forced to play a concert with a hologram version of Savage Garden, who is opening for Wham. What do you wow. think, Dave? That was a lot. So I, to be more serious, because at least one of us needs to be serious about this, I think he gets temporary amnesia from being frozen for 500 years. Okay. Oddly enough, you're both very wrong, but there are <laughs> touches of reality to both of what you said. Oh. Yes. As far as the amnesia, it's not really that he has amnesia, but he is instantly not aware what year he's at. So obviously he's confused and he actually he knows he's relatively confused after seeing everything, but he thinks that it might be the drugs. Part of Joe's diagnosis, of course, by his doctor, whose name is Dr. Lexus, played by Justin Long. And uh-huh. his official diagnosis is this, or at least part of it is, he says, I don't want to sound like a dick or anything, but it says on your chart, you're fucked up. And he <laughs> proceeds to use disparaging words for the mentally handicapped, which we did not use 
but they do regularly and homosexuals, which we've used several times. In yes. So you nailed it, Dave. And you think I'm being not serious? Oh, you I'm so good. I mine no. was more right. So mine a couple of right. A couple of no. other quick things on here that I did want to cover because uh, Meat Curtains also had a second one on how he did he end up with the name. Not sure. And that is because, and this goes back to the rest of this scene, is that he is eventually, eventually Dr. Lexus notes that he does not have a tattoo on his wrist, which is how they charge him. Dr. Lexus freaks out, calls him unscannable, sends in the cops. They're all over him. Eventually, he does get captured. And during the tattooing, He's trying to explain the situation to the tattoo machine, and he uses the term not sure. Uh, they confuse that for his name, and thus he's tattooed with not sure. Gotcha. And then one other thing I did have to mention, one way that Joe actually finds out officially it's 2505 is from a receipt given by Dr. Lexus, but also he picks up a magazine that is called Hot Naked Chicks in World Report, and it has the date of 2505 on it. So that's his first <laughs> understanding that he could be in a different time period. Classic. Beautiful. So do I have to pick a winner between you two? Yes. Okay. Sadly, I think it's going to have to be Michael. I think he's a little Jesus closer to Christ. reality. Sorry. All right. <sighs> so Michael gets question one. <laughs> Next question. How does he run across Frito for the first time again? How do they get? How do they meet again? So I think Frito has to go to the hospital because he got his hand stuck in his big jug of butter, whatever that was called, flatulin. I actually, my answer is based on flatulin as well. I think Frito is at the store buying flatulin, and Joe is there trying to buy some vegetables or something which don't exist anymore. I think that's while that may have seemed realistic back when Mike Judge wrote this movie. Apparently, he did not predict Amazon's rise and Uber Eats because no one would be going to the store in the future. But that's how I think they met. Okay. Actually, neither of you could be more wrong about this. And that's okay. <laughs> so if I have to pick a winner, it's going to be tough. If you can be nobody. It doesn't have to be a winner. Okay. There will probably be nobody. But the way they run into each other again is as Joe is at the courthouse being prosecuted, Frito walks in and is actually Joe's lawyer. Wow. Uh-huh. All right. So needless to say, Frito proceeds to throw Joe completely under the bus for ruining all my balls for him and breaking his house. All right. Hmm. So even though he is his defense attorney, he gives him straight to the prosecutor. And I did have to, I told Michael that I would mention this because told him I would tie justified to lost and idiocracy (laughs) in one move. And this is a good one. The scene in idiocracy, the judge is played by Stephen Root, who is also Milton in office space. Stephen Root also plays a judge in justified. Now, how does this tie to lost? During a scene in Justified, Stephen Root actually prosecutes Dickie Bennett, who is played by Jeremy Davies, who portrayed God. physicist Daniel Faraday on Lost. He does. Yeah. He was not only a judge in Justified, he was also a judge in Idiocracy. So to me, he's lived over 500 years and it's actually the same judge. I love it. Sorry, but neither of you win that round. Okay. So on to the next question if you're ready. Ready. Bring it. Yeah. Meek Curtains is one of your favorite people. He asks a lot of great questions. And this was one that I had. And I'm going to roll his up as well with. Tony Goody, I guess is how you spell it. T-O-N-Y-G-U-T-I. But my question is a combination of their two questions with a little further expansion. Why does Joe's idea of watering the plants seem so extreme? So I bet that in the past, the they replaced all the water with a product like Nasty, which we see uh, Fredo wearing a shirt of, because they've been tricked to believe that water tastes like shit. So they start watering, quote unquote, the crops with Nasty or whatever other product. The crops all die, and then everybody has to start eating solely manufactured foods 
made by the same company. So it's basically just lining the big companies' pockets even more. And, you know, again, water tastes like shit. They've been programmed to believe water is the devil. So when Joe wants to start using water again, they're like, no, 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 no. This is this is wrong. We need to eat our Twinkies and other related products. See, I think that they have stopped using water for everything but toilets. And they do mention at the very, very end, it's like, you're the one who came up with the idea of watering the crops with toilet water. I think that the only thing water is used for is toilets. So the fact of thinking that the, the, the only thing that basically using part of a toilet to grow a crop makes no sense to everyone because they have determined that water is only for toilets. You're both right. Again, it's definitely used for toilets. And not much else as far as I can tell. But it was not Nest Tea that replaced water. But what it was was an energy drink called Brondo. And Brondo, two minutes later into the movie, when Joe goes to a water fountain, he actually drinks from said water fountain and Brondo comes out. And he asks the attendant at the hospital, he's like, do you have water or something instead of this Gatorade? And the attendant laughs at him and is like, what, like from the toilet? So yeah, you're right in the (laughs) fact that it is from the toilet. You're right that it is used primarily only for the toilet. But as Michael said, also, he's actually even right on some other regards. And I'm going to jump down to another question that actually he answered with this one. So this was a question by Winston S48. And he asked specifically, what did the Brondo Corporation buy in 2330? At that point, the Brondo Corporation bought both the FDA and the FCC and replaced water with Brondo because water was deemed a threat to their profitability. Beautiful. So, <laughs> so I think I think it's a tie then. Yeah, it's definitely a push. I would say. Okay, but you were That's both fair. you were both very good. Both both very correct answers, which is surprising given the fact that you missed that plot point by two minutes. Bravo, Dave. Hey, thanks. So this is one that I actually came up with myself because I actually do have a brain sometimes. But when Rita arrives in 2505, she begins prostituting again. How much does she earn and what does she do to earn this money? And bonus points, there's a phrase on the money. What does it say? Yeah, so there's few few levels to this. I don't know that I'm going to be able to say an exact dollar amount. I can, but I, I think it's just an exorbitant amount of money. Just like money has devalued to the point where it's a ridiculous number, like a billion dollars for you know, just just a hand job or something stupid. So so that's what I'm going to go with. A billion dollars for a hand job. And what is the phrase on the money? Um, in Walmart, we trust. OK, so I did some math. So right now, your average street prostitute, we're not talking about like fancy escorts. These are just street hookers. You know, they got the long mouth from years of sucking dick. They earn between 20 to $50 per act. Now, at a default inflation rate of 1% per year, 500 years, we're talking six times 20 to $50. So $120 to $300. That's a wide range. So I'm going to go right in the middle, roughly. I'm going to say $200 she earns. To earn that 200 she has to kick a guy in the balls. And the phrase is, I bet there's some kind of warning on it. Like when you get a hot coffee, the warning on it is, this is not food has been used at Starbucks strip joint. (laughs) Those are both good, but no, that's not the phrase. So I will tell you the phrase first because it is actually on the first bill. So I'm going to answer two questions here. The first bill that Rita receives is a $10 million bill. Damn it. And oddly enough, Michael, is if we're looking at percentage increase, Dave is closer. If you're looking at actual dollar amount, $200 is closer to 10 million than a billion. So that being True. said, it's still a push. The money, the, the phrase on the money is hauling ass getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Love it. And the way uh, she geez. actually earns this money is although she is a prostitute, the person that comes up to her says, I'll wait. So she continues to put him off over the course of several days and receive more money for him waiting. So she never actually waiting does sex. Yeah. She never okay. actually does anything for the money. All right. So it's a trick <laughs> question. You asshole. All right. All but right, yeah. so that's a tie, I guess. We both suck. <laughs> yeah. But we had solid logic. You did. Michael, you're doing a very good job of making yourself feel better about bad answers today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's all right. I, I love to see people squirm. I'm that asshole. Yeah. I'm the CEO at the company that undresses somebody f- like right in front of everybody and, and makes them like uncomfortably get all their stuff. It's like, you're too stupid. Get the hell out of here. And then they have to try to hold their dignity as they're accumulating their, their things and slinking out the door in front of everybody. And they're like, God damn, I yeah. normally like that, but I'm in a good mood today. So I'm, I'm kid gloves with you guys today. <laughs> so the last question I had, how are other countries handling idiocracy? I don't think other countries have the same problem or at least not to the same extent of the U.S., I feel like a lot of countries would have pulled to China and enacted policies early on to prohibit more than two children, et cetera. So it would it would have at least retarded the spread of stupidity, no pun intended there, and would have staved off the idiocracy for at least hundreds of years. It would not have been able to spread to this this, you know, vast imbecility that we see. You know, aside from that, I think because if people are as stupid, then they're dealing with it the same way. But I just don't think they are. I think that if this was going to happen in real life, the United States would be the first country to succumb to idiocracy. The way that they explained it would happen and it would it would come to be falls in line the most with the way America exists today. So America would be the first country to start to show signs of idiocracy and other countries would be smart enough to distance themselves from America and would have just like built walls around all of America and just basically made like segregated us from the rest of the world. Okay. Well, I have the answer to that. And again, it's a trick question. There is no answer. They never mentioned another country in this movie. Damn it. Which is kind of sad, but I really agree with both of you. I think the one thing that makes me wonder if the other countries have succumbed is they do repeatedly refer to Joe as the smartest man in the world. Also, in 2020, they refer to many politicians as the smartest man in the world when we know that is inaccurate. Maybe that's an America being arrogant thing. I'm under the impression that both of you guys are right in the fact that other countries have completely left the United States behind to rot in its own filth. All right. So I win two to one. Yeah, congratulations, bud. <laughs> Jesus. I do have a few more questions from the Reddit crowd. Yes. Yeah, so because we got so many questions from Reddit, we wanted to do something that we've done a couple other times in previous episodes when we get a whole shit ton of Reddit questions. We are limiting ourselves. And much like people that are very stupid in the future, don't really say a lot of words. So we are limiting ourselves. We can only answer in three words. That's it. Get her done. Okay, Meat Curtains 911, your favorite. Ask this question. I think we already might know the answer to this. What does Starbucks sell? Coffee and ass. You like sex? Is that the answer? You like sex? That three words. That is. Three words, baby. <laughs> if I recall at the end, maybe they talk about sex, but yeah, they definitely sell hand jobs. That is the one okay. thing they do sell uh, notably. And then finally, from Meat Curtains 911, and we may have talked about this a little bit earlier, but there's a little more to it. What advice did Joe get from the prison psychiatrist? And I think, as I told you guys, I think that the Meat Curtains 911 may be referring to the doctor in the hospital because I don't recall an actual prison psychiatrist. Gotcha. Be more stupider. Stop sucking dicks. 
We're laying into that homosexual thing, huh? Yeah. yeah. Now that we know, now that we know Michael's willing to use any word, he's just leaning right into it. And he's like, yeah. ah, you knew what you were yeah. getting if you stayed this long in the podcast. The doctor's exact advice was, what I do is like, you know, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? He also, <laughs> he also says, don't worry, Scrow. There are plenty of mentally challenged people out there living kick-ass lives. <laughs> All right. That's, that's the doctor's actual advice. All right. Okay. So, so on to the next moose milker. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> Between kangaroos and gorillas and monkeys, now we've got m- mooses. What are mooses? Mooses. Mooses to pooses. We've got yeah. mo- moose milker. What is the greeting phrase at Costco? Buy more shit. Big stuff's better. Actually, it's, it's several words, but you could limit it down to three if you wanted to. Welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> great so, uh, that is great and another one from the old double m here while visiting the doctor what is the occupation of the doctor's relative mentioned during the conversation dead body trasher robot happy endings i wanted to think of something that was needed in the future so no actually he mentions that she was also mentally handicapped but to make joe feel better she now has a kick-ass job as a pilot <laughs> all right <laughs> Chevello, there's a name. Looks like uh, yeah. some off-brand Mexican car, a Chevello. <laughs> what promises did the president make on Joe's behalf? Taco Tuesdays, bitches. Real food again. Yes, closer to that. I will tell you everything. He says that Joe is going to fix everything, or he says not sure is going to fix everything. He proceeds to promise that he will make the crops grow. He will also fix the dust storms and the economy. And he's so smart. He will do this all in one week. And finally, <laughs> he promises that Joe will also cure acne and car sickness as well. Beautiful. <laughs> Another question. And MDU bow 1118, because apparently there were 1117 other MDU bows on Reddit. So this was the 1118th MDU bow on Reddit. Mm-hmm. How many phone listings are there for upgrade? 532. 532? <laughs> okay. <laughs> 420. There are 9,726 listings for upgrade. Damn it. (laughs) What does President Camacho do to silence the heckling representatives from South Carolina during the State of the Union address? Pulls down pants. Dancing boob dance. Okay. For the record, it is called the House of Representing, not the House of Representatives. (laughs) And to stop the heckling, he pulls out a machine gun and shoots it into the sky. (laughs) All right. Okay, I like it. And this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. This is a throwaway scene, but this is a great one. Just a run-in, ask. There's a billboard advertising cigarettes. Fill in the blank from the billboard. If you don't smoke Tarleton's, you suck it. We'll kill grandma. No, it's just simply, fuck you. If you don't smoke (laughs) Tarleton's, fuck you. (laughs) I love this movie. Ah, man, I need to watch this whole movie. That's great. It's full of things exactly like this. So. Anonymous 32, anonymous underscore 32, not to be confused with anonymous with no underscore. I know. Are we not supposed to say their name? I'm confused. I don't know. Are we or are we not? They did list themselves on Reddit asking the question. That's true. They're just 32. I'm pretty sure it's just 32. (laughs) I don't see anything else in my notes other than 32. Unknown person 32 asks, what happened to the lady who unsuccessfully tried to buy fries from the vending machine? Assaulted by machine. Get it? You're the worst. <laughs> Dead from starving. It's actually almost a combination of these two. She is assaulted, though not in that way by the machine. She is gassed 
And then the Carl's Jr. machine ridicules her for having no money and states her children are going to starve and will be placed in the custody of Carl's Jr. (laughs) (laughs) And I think you guys, I think you guys may have already answered this one. I think this was in the first 15. What about Joe's delivery makes it so that the public won't accept Joe's well-reasoned ideas? He sounds douchey. Indecisive and pompous. Pompous and faggy. And back to Winston S48, who we mentioned earlier, along with Wrangler JR, both uppercase JR83. What does Brondo have? All the water. A big dick. <laughs> so you thought Brondo was a person? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Joey Brondo. <laughs> no, Brondo is the new Gatorade. And there's actually a Brondo that you can order, I think, online that is now a sports drink. They call themselves the Thirst Mutilator, and they have electrolytes, which is what plants right. crave. So Winston S40 asked this, and I'm not ex- sure exactly how to answer this. I think I know what he's looking for, but I'll let you guys try. What is to utilize a euphemism for? What's a euphemism? <laughs> Pick up hooker. <laughs> It sounds like something I would ask Siri. Siri, pick up hooker. (laughs) So you don't know the answer? Remember, I'm only a couple generations removed from idiocracy. My family (laughs) originated from, shit you not, the hills of Kentucky, Appalachia. So my family tree probably looks more like a telephone pole. So (laughs) needless to say, I think what he's referring to here is the fact that Rita never really expresses to Joe what she does. But she consistently refers to herself as an artist, and she refers to Upgrade as her manager and her boyfriend. But she never actually tells Joe that she is a prostitute. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. So Winston S48, if you're smarter than that, and I just butchered that, I apologize. Send us some feedback. Yeah, send, yeah. send us some send feedback. Send me feedback. Nobody likes me anyway, so I'm used, to be, I'm used to the hate. Who is Carl's Jr.? A cheeseburger mascot. Carl's son, Carl. It is Carl's Jr., which is... A brand of Hardee's food right now to this day. There's a Hardee's, and in some areas, it's referred to as Carl's Jr. Yes. I've been to one. I assumed that that question was something else. (laughs) Maybe there's more to it. Yeah. But, I mean, arguably there is, but they do sell food at the machine. So I'm thinking that there's not much more to it. But what is Joe's position in the White House before, of course, he becomes president? Secretary of Smartness. (laughs) Mostly missionary. Doggy. (laughs) Uh, No. It is the Secretary of the Interior, which shockingly makes a little bit of sense because the Secretary of the Interior manages public lands, national parks, mineral resources, and grazing lands. So he may actually have something to do with plant watering. How did the Secretary of Energy become a cabinet member? Slept with Camacho. Powering sex machines. No. It is referred in the movie that Camacho is an ex-porn star, but that has nothing to do with this answer. They won a contest. That's all they say. All right. What was President Camacho's official vehicle? Smart car, duh. Rehabilitation truck. Penalizer. His official vehicle is actually just kind of a three-wheel chopper that has multiple seats on it. Okay. And then we have a couple more questions here. Time travel was real. Ask, how did they discover Joe is the smartest man in the world? He can read. Smart guy brackets. Smart guy brackets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. No. He was not bracketed off against even dumber people. He did, believe it or not, they gave him an aptitude test in prison, and he scored higher on the aptitude test than anyone ever had. The aptitude test included questions such as, if you have one bucket of water that holds two gallons and another bucket of water that holds five gallons, how many buckets do you have? (laughs) 
<laughs> Tony Goody asks, what was the number one TV show? So we know this is Owl My Balls, or at least we can we can surmise. Yes, there is a movie, and maybe that's what he's referring to. If not, it is almost assuredly Owl My Balls. Okay, tell me the movie. Ouch My Nuts. Faster, Furiouser, 69. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would think this, <laughs> given by the name of the movie they have, I think Faster and Furiouser would probably not be included, but 69 may, because the number one movie in the country was called Ass. And that's all it was for 90 minutes. <laughs> it was literally an ass on a movie screen. Sometimes it farted, but it was an ass. And that's why at the end, Joe talks about people's asses and who's farting and why they're farting and that being important. It did win eight Oscars <laughs> and one for best screenplay. And honestly, it was not that attractive an ass. Sad. Cockblocker asks, why does the Secretary of State end sentences with brought to you by Carl's Jr.? Lobbyist blackmailed him. Sponsored his brain. Yeah, pretty much. Because they pay you every time I do, it's a really good way to make money. There you go. You're both right. And then I think this is the last one. Yes. Owen 80. How did Joe's lawyer get his profession? Fucking the judge. Out-violenced competitors. I, <laughs> I think what he's looking for here, because we now know that the lawyer is Frito, and mm -hmm. I think what he's looking for is where did Frito and everyone else seem to graduate from, and that would be Costco. So Frito got his law degree from Costco. Ridiculous. Perfect. So this I believe that that covers all of the Reddit questions. And if I missed anyone, I apologize yeah. to send the hate my way because I was responsible. Not these guys. Beautiful. No, so, honestly, if you have feedback, send it to the centercutcast at gmail.com. Uh, we really do appreciate all those questions. Oh, yes. I forgot. What happens during the post credit scene? I think it's going to be something involving President Camacho. Based on when this movie came out, probably something related to his testicles. There was a quota in mid-2000s comedies of three testicles per movie. So, you know, probably something, I don't know, like maybe dipping his balls in Mountain Dew. Actually, no, dipping his balls in Dr. Pepper, and then he changes his middle name. He's like the, he's like the Can You Hear Me Now guy that changes from Verizon <laughs> to Sprint, which we're going to be talking about on Mike's Whack Brackets podcast. Look at that. Oh, I'm plug. so good. So I think that he they show Frito's family tree similar to how they showed Cleavon's family tree growing and growing of stupidity to just nail home the fact that Joe did literally nothing and the, the world is going to continue to be a, a terrible junk place of idiots. That's actually probably a great answer, but that's not the correct answer. And the correct answer is actually very good as well. We see a third sarcophagus open and out of it arrives upgrade looking for his goddamn money <laughs> nice yeah so i went into it semi-biased because i'm a fan of mike judge and it's just mike judge comedy to me you know there's always going to be some parts that are kind of dumb there's some misses but his brand of comedy is often semi-intelligent comedy packaged in fucking stupidity uh, that's the best way I can explain it. But I I enjoyed it for, for what it is. I hated it. Oh. I enjoy, usually enjoy stupid comedies like this. But, but this it's not a stupid comedy. That's the thing. It's packaged as a stupid comedy, but it's not a stupid comedy. It is not. If you compare this to other stupid comedies that came out from the same time period, it is not the same. It's just not the same. I disagree. I disagree. You could you could sugarcoat garbage like <laughs> to make it sound like smart comedy as a stupid comedy, but it's still stupid comedy. Bah, bah. And I, I normally like stupid comedies. This one just didn't do it for me. I think it was just because it was it's too far fetched for for me. It's just like too out there. Like, how would there even be power anymore if everyone was so dumb that they couldn't even speak? 
all kinds of different, just ridiculous things that everyone would be dead if if everyone was that dumb. Oh, Dave. Oh, Dave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, usually, usually it's the other way around, and I like things that Michael doesn't, but this one, this yeah, one was yeah. just the other way. Well, that being said, any parting shots, gentlemen? Michael, if you like what you heard about Idiocracy, I would recommend watching the entire movie because as much as I tried to do it justice, I am sure that I missed a lot of very funny things. And if you guys caught in 15 minutes what I've missed several times in, you go in with a keen eye. I'm sure there are many, many more things that you're going to get a whole lot of enjoyment out of. So, Dave... All I can tell you is fuck off, buddy. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'll probably go back and watch it anyways. I mean, I paid for a month subscription to HBO Max. I might as well use it. If you don't like Idiocracy, fuck you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why Perfect it wasn't in the theaters it. is because that was on the, the movie poster. If you don't like Idiocracy, fuck you. And that's why it never. Is that how we should just end every show from now on? If you don't like the center cut. Fuck you. No, Mike, really appreciate you taking the time and coming on and stopping midway because my baby cried a lot Mm -hmm. next to my head. Listen, if you guys have not checked out Whack Brackets, A, we've been on there before, so what the hell are you doing? B, we're going to be on there again, so really what the hell are you doing? But C, and this is the most important piece, Mike's podcast is great. Mike's great. It's a fun time. There's always guests. There's always ridiculous scenarios pitting, you know, one thing against another thing. I don't want to spoil it. I may have shoved a pinata up my ass at one point in my life. Not really, but in the bracket. Go check out Whack Brackets anywhere you find podcasts. Yeah, and I just wanted to thank you guys for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. It's always great to have you guys on Whack Brackets. It's fun to get on here. I love the show. I'm a big fanboy over here. <laughs> fanboy underscore 1118. That makes sense. We do have 1,117 other fanboys before you. Well, we appreciate it, Mike. Yeah, thanks for coming by. All right. So, Dave, what are we doing next episode? Next episode is going to be coming out September 9th, and we're going to be doing HBO's own Perry Mason season one. Yeah, not that old shitty Perry Mason from like when your parents used to fuck. Mm -hmm. We're talking new fangled Perry Mason that just ended like this past month. Yeah. Get into that couple things real quick before we end this baby number one please subscribe if you like the episode why not listen to more episodes and follow us on everywhere you follow things all the things yeah all the things a couple quick shout outs one one to give a shout out to the verging on stupid uh the dad podcast check those guys out some nice guys and they're they're new parents so i kind of I'm feeling what they're putting down. Yeah. Also wanted to give a shout out to a a Reddit listener who listened to our show and reached out to us. We decided to call her Chaco Boatheart, which was drastically wrong. She uh, she let me know it's Chocobo at heart, which I should not have missed that Final Fantasy reference. And I'm so sorry to all my nerd fans out there. So thank you for your wonderful message. Yeah, really touched my heartstrings. That's that's a thing, right? Touched more than that on me. That's good. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, a quick another thank you to the people whose podcasts we shared ads for. Thank you for doing us a favor and letting us have our ads out in the world. And an even bigger shout out to Quick Doodle McGroodle. I think that's the right name on Instagram. That is Cindy, who does our podcast art logo and she's been doing some cool pictures of like tv shows and shit i'm bad at describing just go look but she's now starting to get some stickers out in the game that judge lady like uh what the hell is her name Lori beth denberg no yep Uh, that's it what's the judge's name ruth bader ginberg ginsburg just rbg yeah go check it out yeah it's pretty awesome she draws everyone without eyes 
not creepily, like a dildo in, in ass. The center is gooder in the center. Mm-hmm.